0: Do you remember what it was like before you were a parent? What would happen now if you didn't always put your kids first? What would happen if you didn't give your children your full attention every single minute of every single day? Our guest today is going to shed some light on how we are parenting good enough. Stay tuned after these messages Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
1: Welcome to On Boys Parenting Podcast, the podcast that explores and explains boy behavior. We are your co hosts, Jennifer L.W. Fink of BuildingBoys.net and Janet Allison, founder of BoysAlive.com.
0: Because you're listening to this podcast, I know that you desire a deeper, more connected relationship with your boy, understanding him, decoding him. That is why I, Janet, have created Decoding Your Boy, Less Whining, More Connecting. It's a group program. We meet twice a month live on Zoom, and I do some teaching. I incorporate boy development, boy communication, and most of all, I answer your questions in real time. This is a unique program. It is the only program led by a boy expert. I invite you to join us twice a month for an entire year. Go to boysalive.com slash decode and you'll see all the details there. I look forward to having you join us and deepening your knowledge about boys. They deserve your deeper understanding and you deserve that deeper, more connected relationship with him that will stand the test of time. That's boysalive.com slash decode. We here at On Voice- hope that you and your family are staying healthy. And we wanted to share this product with you because this is a way to use nature's superfruit, black elderberry to keep you healthy. Sambucol helps you feel your best with powerful immune support. Supporting your immune system is one of the best things you can do for continued good health. I feel like I'm doing my body good every day by taking Sambucol. Yep. I use it. I love the gummies. I love the syrup. They have chewable tablets. They have drink powder. It's easy to incorporate into your wellness routine. Sambucol is a trusted brand and was developed by a virologist. So I know I'm getting a great product. We feel very confident recommending this product to you. Sambucol. Give it a try. We want you to stay healthy. Sambucol, go to sambucolusa.com. That's S-A-M-B-U-C-O-L-U-S-A.com. And use BOYS15 to get 15% off your first order. That's Sambucol. Stay healthy, dear listeners. As always, we appreciate your support of our sponsors. That means we can keep offering you the programming that you've come to know and love. And now, on boys. If you're listening, you're likely in some stage of being a parent. And my question for you today is Do you remember what you were like before you were a parent? What you like to do? what made you, you? Somehow parenting in the 21st century has come to mean being all and everything for your kids. This kid-centric message comes from social media, from advertisers, and yes, even from some parenting experts. But what would happen if you didn't always put your kids first? What would happen if you didn't sacrifice your own free time? What would happen if you didn't sacrifice your own dreams? What would happen if you didn't give your children your full attention every single minute of every single day? Our guest today, a mom of two boys, is the author of a new book, How to Have a Kid, and a life which has been called a wonderfully irreverent survival guide to motherhood and as our listeners know Jen and I we love some we love some irreverence here erica believes we can be happy whole people while still being wonderful parents and sometimes being that parent that is just good enough which she says is still plenty good welcome erica Thank you. So glad to be here. So glad to talk about this crazy
2: parenting world that we're living in.
0: Isn't it crazy? Tell us about your parenting world, your family, and how you came to write this book. Well,
2: I spent the first part of my career uh, as an entertainment writer for People Magazine and Us Weekly. And uh, it was great. It was a great job to have in your 20s. I mean, I have to tell you, it was amazing. But once I had a family, it just didn't quite fit into what I needed and wanted to do for my life and my time and my focus. And so I switched to writing about parenting and I became an editor at Cafe Mom, which is a very popular parenting site and I loved it. Um, But in addition to editing and assigning to writers all over the country, I also went to mommy meetups. I held focus groups. I went to um, conferences and I wanted to do my own research to understand what moms were going through right now, you know, and it was really eye-opening. So the book was shaped by what women were going through in real time. Mm. And so I wanted to address these things that we don't talk about. I remember one of the things I did write um, was is discovery of the mom gene, the reason some of us don't crave having kids. And it got so much reaction. So many women were writing in saying, I don't think I have the mom gene. Oh my God, I'm not alone. I feel like, you know, this is really hard for me. I thought, why aren't we talking about that? But not just talking about it, but trying to find solutions out of this and trying to kind of build back the lives that we want for ourselves because we do give everything to our kids and our family. We do sacrifice even 15 minutes of free time. You know, I have a four-year-old and I barely go to the bathroom by myself. I'm like, why does he want to be in here? <laughs> I'm like,
0: mom.
2: It's every, every mom. mom
0: ever, right? <laughs> right.
2: And um, so I wanted to write about those issues that we are kind of too nervous to bring up or no one's going to bring them up at your baby shower because it's all about what car seat you have, what you know, ba- baby wipes warmer you have. I wanna write about how your career changes, how your marriage changes, how your friendships with other women change, both moms and women who your friends who don't have kids, while your self-esteem changes and what you need to get a little bit of yourself
0: back. Nice. I wanna dive in since you mentioned the mom gene, let's just start right there, this <laughs> right? assumption that you're going to have kids Mm-hmm. And maybe you kind of think you might want to have kids. And there you are at the baby shower going, I don't know if this is really for me or not. Or you're holding that baby at 2 a.m. going, I don't know if this is really for me or not. And and I so appreciate that. It's like, let's, let's pull the curtain back on yeah. these thoughts that I'm going to guess every mom has had. Like, I yeah, can't maybe. do this. This isn't for me. What was I thinking? Maybe listeners,
1: you're like me and you have four kids and your youngest is 15. And you're like, wait, do I have the mom gene? I didn't know this was the thing.
2: (laughs) Totally true. And it's, oh, there are all these thoughts that go through our minds that we're kind of, we're embarrassed to talk about. I did not think I had the mom gene when I, once I found the research, there's actually medical research that found this gene in female mice that women have, and when it's activated, they wanna have children, they wanna nurture, they wanna care for their mice. But when the gene isn't activated, they have no interest in any of those things. And I thought, you know, I love my kids, and this is the obligatory, I love my kids. (laughs) They're wonderful, (laughs) they complete my life. But there are things that I thought, well, you know, I always felt kind of bullied about the fact that I wasn't this craving to have kids as soon as I got married. And I go through this whole saga, my, you know, my in-laws are wonderful, um, but they're they're old world Cubans and they kind of think like as soon as you get married, have a baby. It was two months after I was married, and you know, my husband's uncles were like, Are you pregnant yet? Like, when are you gonna have babies? Why don't you have babies? Five years later, they were horrified, right? They're like, "What's wrong with you? Are you okay?" I remember being at their house and their very religious family, and we were leaving. And his godmother prayed for my husband to have career success and to have this, you know, wonderful experience at work. And I thought, "Well, I'm this hotshot reporter. I'm sure she's going to do the same for me." She lifted up my shirt, did the sign of the cross on my stomach, and prayed for God to heal my womb. <laughs> And I was sitting there and I was like, well, there was nothing wrong with my womb. I just was focused on my career. I was in my late twenties. I wasn't quite ready to have kids, but there's this perception that there's something wrong with you, either physically or emotionally, if you don't want to have kids. And I wanted to address that. Um, I went to this, I, I love this chapter because I, I went to this conference back then. It was the first one in the U.S. It was called the Not Mom Summit. And it was women coming together to kind of celebrate and, you know, Boost each other up when they didn't want or have kids, and I thought, Oh, I've got to go to that because I want to see like what this is like, what they feel, what they say. And you know, it was one of my favorite chapters to write because I address a lot of those I call them like microaggressions toward people who don't have kids the things that people say. Mm. You know, one woman told me that her mother didn't want her and her husband in the family picture because they were the only ones that didn't have kids. And I'm like, Oh, it's a kid picture, and I thought, Oh my god, like the, the holiday photo that's like awful and you know others talked about you know people always saying what's wrong with you you're going to be lonely you're going to be miserable you're going to regret it like you're so selfish like things like that which sometimes people don't mean to say in a mean way but they don't mean to be hurtful but because they're saying out of concern because they feel like Mm -hmm. if you don't have kids what are you doing with your life and i wanted to kind of address that and talk to women so they could say to mothers how it makes them feel Mm -hmm.
1: and listeners
0: Oh my God! <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> we're gonna say the exact same thing, aren't we, Jen? <laughs> you go, you go. I want to see what you're gonna say, <laughs> listeners. You just—I wish you could see the look on our faces as Erica is is laying this out for us, because we're just—we're just as horrified and surprised, and all the expressions are there. Is that and what you're obviously? No, <laughs> and obviously,
1: most of you listening do have children, but some of you, you likely have experienced this. And frankly, even if you have kids, and yes, you love them, you care about them, um, it's okay if they don't complete you, if it's not your whole yeah. world, if it's not your whatever. Frankly, I think it's healthier, and I say yeah. that now. My kids are older, uh, Janet, you have adult children, so you can speak to this too. But my youngest is now 15 my nest will be empty in a little bit. If all of my, all of my self-worth is tied up in parenting and all of my time is is connected to parenting, I'm going to be really lost in three to five years. Mm-hmm. But if I continue yeah. to nurture other parts of myself and have other interests, I think I'm likely to do better when I reach that stage. Yeah. What do you think, Janet?
0: Well, the message isn't out there as strongly as the other message of give everything to your kids. And that's why I love this book, Erica. And I'm curious for you, where did you find yourself losing yourself in parenting? When do you have a specific moment when it was like, what am I doing? Where am I? Yeah.
2: Um, I mean, I feel like for me, I've had several moments like that (laughs) from the moment, like I was at home maternity leave and sitting with him in um, my arms. I'm like, how do people do this every day and have more? Like I was so overwhelmed. I was like, when am I ever going to have time to do anything else ever again? And, you know, as you get, as it gets easier, meaning you, you understand what is needed a little more and you kind of get yourself into a routine, there's a little bit of light that can shine through and you feel like, okay. But then as my kid got older, then all of my activities centered around what he did. Preschool, um, playdates, after school sports. And I realized that I was kind of drowning in kid activities. And um, I was just unhappy about that. You know, And I just felt like I needed to do something for myself. And for me, it was taking time to <laughs> write the book and interview moms, because I love writing. I'm a writer. It's uh, doing research and putting it together and traveling and talking to people about this. You know, I, I do a lot of research, talk to a lot of social scientists and um, just kind of find out how did we get here? How did we get to this point? So for me, my more was writing right and mm-hmm. writing things i really wanted to write and sharing that with the world i talked to other moms who found other ways to do more and it doesn't it's hard it's you, you were you were tired and you're overwhelmed the last thing you can think about is like taking a macrame class right like you're thinking like what do i want to do but you have to figure out what it is i actually have worksheets in the book about trying to figure out what it is that is going to feed that other part of you that brings you a little more joy mm-hmm. and trying to work in time to do it and it doesn't have to be like no, you're going to like dump your family and go to Hawaii and learn like, to surf. Right. right. That sounds Although, you amazing. Although you could. Although you could. That'd Do be okay it. too. It could be something like, you know what? Every day at five, I'm not going to play monster trucks because my kid's going to survive if I don't play monster trucks. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go for a run. Or I'm going to call my sister who I love and I don't talk to enough. Mm-hmm. Or I'm going to um, take up yoga or meditation, or I'm going to start a community service project. You can build in time. If you just let yourself take a a few minutes from every day, Mm -hmm. you know, and I, and that's what I wanted to get across. And I wanted to give moms permission to say, you know, I I don't kids don't, I don't like spending every hour of every day with my kids. It's okay to say that I said it, I'm not embarrassed by it. You can say it too. And most moms feel that way as well. Yeah.
0: And it's okay if you don't like to play monster trucks. It is absolutely okay. Hire the high school kid or the middle school kid to come over and play monster trucks with your kid. I am curious. So you you talk to a lot of researchers and read a lot Mm -hmm. of studies and you've read a lot about studies on happiness, studies on Mm -hmm. self-care. I mean, we hear, you know, we're talking about self-care. Take that 15 minutes. Did anything surprise you in any of these studies?
2: Yeah. And actually, the one thing that really kind of fueled the study that fueled the book was there was a study that was done of 22 developed countries. And of the 22, U.S. parents were the least happy. Mm. And there are lots of things that go into that. Right. We don't have the same kind of social structure that gives us um, child, help with childcare or paid maternity leave and uh, you know, things like that. I mean, Healthcare. You know, there's so many battles that parents have to fight to just even feel like, okay, right. To feel like they can take care of their families. So I think that's a part of it, but I think it's also our culture doesn't even respect the, the notion that you need to do something for yourself. Right. It's like, we're, we're still like stuck in this model where your whole world is your family and they are the most important thing in your world. I'm not, you know, they are the most important thing, but they don't have to be the only thing. And so I wanted to find out, well, then how if so many women and men, both it's men and moms and dads, are suffering, are so unhappy, what do they need to start doing to become, become happy? Now I should also add that, as when people are older and they're older parents, they're more fulfilled typically than people who don't have kids. Mm-hmm. So there is a there is the other, you know, part of that. But you you're going to have to wait like 40 years mm-hmm. <laughs> for that that other part to happen. Why can't you get a little happiness, you know, as your kids are growing up and focus more on your needs. And it's not just hobbies, right? Like it's, it's your sex life. It's your relationship with friends. You know, so I was so shocked, actually not shocked. Cause I find making mom friends as an adult, really uncomfortable. It's like walking into junior high with your tray, mm-hmm. the cafeteria with your tray of food mm-hmm. and like, be like, where do I sit? Like, who's going to be my friends? Like, how do I make mom friends at the park? But so many people are making friends, right? But they're making the wrong friends. They're making friends who they had to lie to about whether they made organic baby food. One well, mom said that oh. she just she just puts like store bought baby food in containers and when they're at the park. You know, when she's at the park with these her friends, um, she pretends that she made it from home. And I was like, well, is that really who you want to hang out with? Are those really your people? Right. You know. Yeah. And I I had this whole chapter on how to make mom friends, like real mom friends.
1: style slash That's That's armoire.style, A R M O I R E, dot style slash on boys to get 50% off your first month and never have to worry about what to wear again. Try armoire today. One of the most challenging things about being a woman at midlife is realizing For way too many people, the answer seems to be, yep, that's the way it is. Deal with it.
0: Mm -hmm. Deal with it. And not only are our mamas out there having to deal with perimenopause, likely at this age, but many of our moms are dealing with their sons entering or in puberty, which is kind of nature's irony, which is, oof. Cruel joke, Janet. Cruel joke With free US shipping and the ability to pause or cancel at any time, your path to wellness has zero obligations. Use the code onboys at buywinona.com for twenty-five percent off your first order. That's com slash onboys. Winona Menopause Care Made Easy. So Erica Give us one tip on how to make mom friends. What's one thing we can do? Well, I think there's really this formula.
2: Can you be vulnerable with this person? Meaning tell them the truth.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: When you when you share what you need to, what, what you need to get off your chest, do you feel supported and cared for? And is do you leave interactions with these people or this person feeling uplifted or more depleted? Mm-hmm. And if you ask yourself those three questions. And it, honestly, if no is the answer to any of them, <laughs> you need to find some more friends. And sometimes they won't be who you thought you were going to um, be friends with. I can't, I can't believe how clicky moms are. It is crazy and hilarious at the same time. And sometimes I think you want to be a part of this mom group who, you know, puts on the Christmas fair or who, you know, or the, the moms who do this or that or whatever. And they're not your group. And that's okay. You have to give yourself permission to let go of people who don't make you feel good. And there's so many moms who don't do that. And I
1: want to say that, uh, it can be really difficult. I live in a small town. There are only so many moms Mm -hmm. that have kids of approximately the same age that are in your world. It can be really difficult. And frankly, if I go by, um, your criteria, which are excellent, Erica, I'm definitely not going to talk to a lot of people in my family about my life. So those people don't count. So sometimes listeners, you do have to reach beyond your geographic circle. And this is where I have found, you know, the internet can be helpful. It's not the same as having another mom whose house you can go to and collapse and let your kids just play. It's not the same, but it's something. And it does count, I think.
0: And another way to open up your view. And I really appreciate what you're saying about that, because I, I work with a lot of moms also, and moms that are older, that have Mm -hmm. the same that, you know, have the four year olds, but they're older, so they feel a little separate. And I would encourage our listeners, if you're a young, a younger mom, Look for those older moms. They mm-hmm. have a wealth of experience, just life experience. And they're feeling kind of lonely because they're kind of yeah. not in that same peer group, but they have kids the same age. So look out, I, I just love what you say. like look out of where you would yes. normally look and yeah. and expand your view around that. Maybe
2: there are dads or care other caregivers or mm-hmm. grandparents who are taking care of kids or, you know, someone who's taking care of their sister's kids now, or there—it's just, we can't have this expectation that our friends are gonna be and do and look a certain way. We have to kind of give them a chance. And it really is about giving them a chance. There's one researcher that said it took like, you know, thousand hours to make a good real friendship. And I thought that sounded so daunting. Like, oh my gosh, who has time for that? Mm -hmm. But if you, it's every coffee, it's every phone call, it's every text, you're building a rapport, you're building a bond with people. And those are important moments, right? So give people a chance and online groups saved a lot of moms. Yes. What you said
1: about being vulnerable is important too, because you almost feel out a a potential friend, right? You, you have Mm -hmm. to be willing to share a little bit of your vulnerability, like share the thing that you're not a hundred percent sure it is okay to admit, like, my kid's driving me crazy today. Yeah. yeah, And and sort of yeah. see how that response goes. And if, if it's yeah. a safe and welcoming response, then maybe you go a little bit further with that relationship. And yeah. if it's not, you have time to back off and go, okay, miss perfect. I'm not <laughs> good. You're not my person.
2: It's true. I was at a play date with like new, you know, like a new mom's play date that someone had organized in my apartment building. I live in New York city. And so, Um, I went to the play date and I had such a hard time breastfeeding. I thought it was like, I would literally hear the music to psycho every time it was time (laughs) to feed. Like I was like, Oh God, this is awful. I was also a very poor milk producer. So I really kind of gave it my all, but I couldn't wait to pack up that pump. And I was talking to a mom at the um, play date and I was talking about how, like I found breastfeeding so horrific and I wish I could was better at it, but I'm not. And I can't wait. to. And this is someone who was a, 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 a breastfeeding, support. she she was planning to breastfeed her child for two and a half years. Like she was, it was her thing. She was an advocate. She felt the most important thing you could do. To her, I came off as like selfish, and she literally stopped talking to me. And I felt bad at first. I was like, "Ooh, this is an example of needing to know your audience." But then I was like, I moved on because I'm like, "Well, we wouldn't." Yeah. I don't. That is some. That's a big point where we dif- differ on. Doesn't make her a bad person. I don't think it made me a bad person. Mm-hmm. But. I moved on. And so you're going to get some rejection. You just have to be able to take that. It has it has more to do with that other person than it has to do with you. I want
0: to talk about dads. In your book, you you have a section about handling clueless and unhelpful mm-hmm. partners, not saying that dads are clueless and unhelpful, but sometimes we feel mm-hmm. like
2: they are. You know, I talk to a lot of women, especially when they're in the early phases of parenting, actually, at all ages of parenting, um, there's a lot of resentment that builds between couples. And I know it's the same thing in same-sex relationships, because I, I interviewed groups of um, moms in same-sex relationships. There's always someone who takes on the lion's share of the caregiving. Right? And what we do is we're so tired, we're so overwhelmed. We kind of expect our partner to intuit what we want or figure it out. Like they see us struggling, why aren't they helping? I mean, I remember being like, you know, I would like seethe all day and like squinty-eyed rage because I was so mad because he didn't help me get the kids ready. And he was like slowly putting on his socks and his shoes. I'm like sweating, getting everyone ready. And then I was like, why don't I just ask? Like, right? I know that's like, we don't want to have to ask, but if you have a type of partner who's not gonna just figure it out, you have to ask you and I did. I sort of said, so tomorrow morning you take Aiden and I'll take Lex or tomorrow morning you get the boys dressed and I'll make breakfast. So, like you have to, um, divide and conquer, honestly, and you have to be upfront about what you need. If you're not upfront about what you need, you're not going to get what you want.
1: You know, I think sometimes that resentment, uh, builds up, especially between, uh, moms, dads, uh, two parenting partners, Because of this need to take time for yourself and to still be who you are to nurture your other interests, traditionally, dads have been better at doing that. And there's cultural reasons for this, right? Like dad, you can, you still, of course, you're going to go golf with your buddies or go fishing or go hunting or whatever dad's thing is. Dads do that moms get all wrapped up in the childcare and then they get really pissed off. Like you're playing softball and I'm doing bedtime. Great. And one way to address that I have found is to personally make sure I prioritize time for my stuff too. Don't be mad at him for having a life as much as recognize that I haven't made any effort or discussed with my partner. Hey, I'm still a person too.
2: Right. And, you know, then that's exactly that's the nail on the head. That's exactly what I'm trying to get across. You have to kind of advocate for yourself. We teach our kids to advocate for themselves, especially as they get older, if they have trouble in school or what's going on. We also have to do that. Right. And it's not, and it's better to do it when everything's calm, not when you're like so (laughs) angry and nothing, nothing's going to be solved when you're like yelling. Right. But just to have a sit down and and talk about it. One of the things that helped us is we created a family Google calendar. And so I, we put in what's going on or what we need to do. And we invite the other parent to it so that they know what's going on that night and just kind of have to step up and and fill fill that void, and um, and that's been really helpful. And I didn't think it would be, but like I, it, it's just been very helpful. I think you have to like change your expectations of what life is with kids. I mean, I, I I interviewed so many women, and I could probably probably count on two hands the number that actually had a conversation before the baby arrived on what life would be like. Like, who would stay home with the kid when the kid got sick, or who who who's going to be involved to help us? Like how involved will grandparents be? What are your, what is your philosophy on discipline? I mean, these are things that people don't talk about, but they're huge points of contention and the baby's here and you're arguing about it.
1: I found this piece of paper. I'm showing it to Janet and Erica listeners. You can't see it, but it's this piece of paper listeners. Some of, you know, and Janet, you definitely do. I've been moving over the last bit, moving out of a house of 21 years. And I found a file Mm -hmm. of I parenting article ideas, Erica, that I was writing down when my kids were about the age of your youngest one. This piece of paper says we teach our kids good lessons when we don't always put down what we're doing to do what they want. One, patience, delayed gratification. Two, to entertain themselves. Three, imagination. And then I starred number four, that mom has needs too. Oh my god, by taking time for yourself, you show them you're worthy of that time. You may be a mom, but you're still a person too. And then I wrote that there's role modeling in that. You know, your Mm -hmm. child may see you doing your thing and they may be interested in it or not. That's okay. But you're teaching them to nurture their spirits and their creativity when they see you also doing that. And I think that's a way that moms can wrap their head around it if it feels selfish to take time mm-hmm. for yourself mm-hmm. it's also good for your kids to
2: see that yeah.
0: mm-hmm. it
2: is because I did ask and that that, that list is perfect um it, I did ask moms you know who are overwhelmed who and it, co- oftentimes people like you know I'm really unhappy I'm miserable I'm overwhelmed I'm stressed and tired and I was like would you want your kids to live like that do you want your kids to feel like that when they're adults? And of course, the answer is no. So I'm like, be the kind of parent or adult that you would want your kids to be because they see it. And the research tells us, even if you know they're little, they sense the tension, they sense the depression, they sense the anger. And that's that's very important. Like, we don't want our kids thinking that those that's the that that's the baseline for how you should feel. Mm-hmm. We want our kids to know that they deserve better or more. And they don't want I don't
1: want my kids to think
2: that parenting is a terrible thing.
1: Yeah. I don't want them to feel like uh, me parenting them makes me unhappy. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it, not that it brings me joy all the time either. That's also a false thing, but, and I don't want them to think of parenting as only being a burden. I want them to, to see that you can be a parent and a person. Yeah. yeah. And a
0: joyful parent, because you know what, mm-hmm. those are your grandkids, your parents are your kids are going <laughs> yeah. to be parenting, just saying, sure. <laughs> I want to talk about I want to talk about a couple other things that you have in your book. And one of them is taking back ownership of your body. You alluded to, mm-hmm. you know, can I ever go to the bathroom by myself again? Mm-hmm. Can, and and young moms we know are just t- moms of young children are touched out. Yes. How do we get some ownership back of our bodies? You have to
2: set boundaries, even for your four-year-olds. You know, my four-year-old is the most clingy, adoring child. And I have to sometimes pull him off of my neck, even when I'm typing or writing or, you know, on a phone call. But that's okay. It doesn't mean I don't love him or want to spend time with him. I have parsed out time to do those things, right? And it's okay if I take time for myself to do something else. And I think that that's what we have to, again, give ourselves permission to do. We kind of feel like if our kids aren't entertained every minute that they're in the house or we're with them, like we're failing. And I'm like, I remember playing by myself for hours in my room when I was little.
1: Those are early, early lessons on consent really too, if you think about it, right? (laughs) Like other people have boundaries. Sometimes you can touch me, sometimes you can't. Sometimes I yeah. can touch you, sometimes you don't want to be touched. We respect what other people need.
2: Yeah, and that's really important, especially in this day and age, it's really important to teach that to boys and girls. You know, my four-year-old is very aware and understands them. You know, you don't don't hit someone, don't pull someone, don't touch someone when they, when they don't want to be touched. And you're right, that is an important thing to start early because if you build it into their, who they are, you have a better chance of them being a good person later.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's more innate and comes naturally. What about those parents that are working? They want to keep their career on track. Mm -hmm. Well, you know what? I feel like the same rules apply because there's all this guilt, like, oh, I
2: spent all day at work so Mm -hmm. that of course I can't take a moment for myself, but work isn't fun time. Work is what you're doing to take care of your children. It's not what you're doing because you're like having a well, most people I know don't are having a blast. <laughs> um, you know, work is work has a different purpose, and I think like um, you you really have to still take that time out. Like I, you know, I come in in the first half an hour. I'm home. I like change my clothes and I um, take a shower, and then I'm ready to go. Right, and then at the end of the night, it's like that's my time. Right. That's my, that's when I'm watching my blonde order reruns or <laughs> whatever. I mean, I love that show. Um, And, and that's just the rule. Right. And if, you know, obviously if your kid's sick or needs help with homework or whatever, you, you're, you, you're there, you step up and you do what you need to do, but you really have to like create space, for yourself. And I feel like a lot of parents, this is the sense I'm getting from when I've talked to them, don't make space for themselves ever. Mm-hmm. So as soon as they are, their kids are asleep, they're doing like a million and one other things that they needed to do, the laundry or the dishes and and all of that. And I'm like, yeah, you know, you can, that doesn't have to be your whole night, do two loads or one load and then do the next, the next night. So you have a little bit more time for yourself. If you have the kind of relationship where your partner is okay with you taking like an overnight to see a relative or go for a girlfriend's trip, those can be incredibly rejuvenating, but also taking time away with your partner is rejuvenating. Mm -hmm. Like I swear, every time I go away with my husband, which has been rare these days, I'm reminded that I like him. (laughs) Yeah. Like when we're away from all the things that stress us Mm -hmm. out you remember why you like love that person and why you like yeah. that person, because, and how and, and I how think,
0: you were as adults together. Yeah,
2: yeah, and that's important. And people don't do that. And I've talked to lots of moms who's so like, we never travel without our kids ever. And I'm not talking about just little kids. These are people with teenagers. And I'm like, why? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah. you know, uh, I set that pattern earlier that we were going to be traveling. You know, we we're lucky to have like a, a one of our mothers or a really great sitter to kind of step in use your resources and take time for yourself. And I, I don't like the, the idea of just an occasional date night. I think your time when you're nurturing yourself and your relationship, it has to be very intentional and it has to be regular and it has to be something that you like, you make it a priority.
0: Yeah. And again, reminder, you're modeling that for your kids. So when they mm-hmm. grow up, it's a natural thing that of course will go off as, as partners and have adult time together.
2: Yeah. And both parents do. Obviously, I talk a lot about moms. So, you know, I don't like getting flowers. I know that I, maybe that makes me rare. I find that I feel like they're a waste of money. They die so quickly. And my, my husband insists on every birthday and Mother's Day and Valentine's Day, he gets me flowers And from him and the boys. I'm like, you don't have to do that. It's like such a waste of money. He's like, no, I want them to see this is you do nice things for the person you love and the Aww. person who takes care of you. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't have to be just you. Your partner can get it. You know, when he said that, I was like, oh, you know, it made it much more. I got it. And they do, they, they know it's time to get mommy flowers Yeah, and that's really nice. And so hopefully they'll model that for their partners later Mm -hmm. to show appreciation and gratitude and love
1: listeners. I don't want any of you getting overwhelmed by going, okay, so I am supposed to now schedule regular getaways with my spouse or partner and make time for myself and do this. You can start with a five or 10 minute interval. If this is not something that you have been doing on a regular basis, just carve out 10 minutes to do something you want to do, whether that's journaling, going out in the yard and looking at birds, or just staring up at the sky, or Mm -hmm. uh, 10 minutes to read a book, be creative, Mm -hmm. start with really small doses. You don't have to do all of this at once if this is new for you.
2: This is building up this skill set. This is building up this part of your existence. And again, some people are going to want to take on a hobby. They have to learn like horseback riding. Other people are just going to want to breathe. You know how many women just don't breathe, go outside, take a deep breath of fresh air and breathe. It can be simple. I love that you said that because it doesn't have to take a lot of time away. It just has to be a priority. Yeah.
0: So (laughs) listeners, you know, right now you can take a deep breath and then you can think about that independent bookseller where you're going to buy Erica's book. (laughs) And, you know, and then the next thing will come to mind. It is okay to
2: make time for yourself and to prioritize yourself. I keep telling moms to put yourself back on top of your to-do list.
0: Mm, I love that. Erica, thank you so much for being with us today and giving us so much encouragement about rediscovering ourselves and without guilt and enjoying the process, enjoying those five minutes, enjoying that that first deep breath that you're going to take today, where can our listeners find out more about you and connect with you?
2: You can connect with me via my website, which is my name, ericasuter.com. And uh, on Instagram, I write for WebMD, The Bump, um, Cafe Mom, mom mom.com. So I write about parenting. I love it. I love talking to moms and I like to share what's going on in the world and how moms are coping with whatever they're going through.
0: Thank you for all of the amazing writing that you do. And thank you for this book. I think it's so valuable to just be constantly reminded that we were we were people before we were moms. Mm-hmm. And we will be like I am that having your kids out of the house and rediscovering who you are and what you love and, and re-enlivening those interests. So thank you so much. Thank you guys. Thank you for joining us. If you like this podcast, share it with a friend. Let them in on this information that's so valuable. You know, supporting yourself as a person before a parent, well, it's gold. Also, don't forget decoding your boy. Less whining, more connecting. Go to boysalive.com slash decode and join us for this year-long program Based on monthly boy-friendly themes, you get to talk to me every month. And also, your family's health is so important. Support their immune systems with Sambucol, S-A-M-B-U-C-O-L-U-S-A.com, and use the discount code BOYS15 for 15% off your first purchase. Thank you for joining us. We are on Boys. I am Janet Allison, and my co host, my lovely co host, is Jennifer L.W. Fink.